Well, if you have your Bibles, please turn to Luke chapter 9, verse 12. I'm going straight to the text that Gabriel has just been speaking from about the uh, feeding of the 5,000. And the topic is God cares through you. Now, we've been looking at the last few sessions about God cares for everyone. You know, God cares for the whole world. He cares for the fish and the sparrows and the universe and the stars. And he cares for people, whatever nationality they are, whatever religion they are, he cares for them. And then we looked at the next week about how God cares especially for the believer and the covenant that we have as believers where God's blessings and goodness and caring comes into our lives. And then last week we looked at the topic of casting our care on God. In other words, if God cares for us, then why are we so worried? How do we learn to trust God's care? But today, before we go into our baptisms, we're finishing by saying that God cares through you. And this is such an amazing thing that God wants to do his work of caring and helping, not just directly with us, but he wants us to be vessels to touch other people's lives on, lives on, lives on his behalf. And that is incredible. Because in most modern Western Christianity, usually the emphasis is on me and God. It's God and me, me and God, and you and God, and you and God. And, and, it, and it's all vertical, me and God, and God will do this, and I'll go to God, and God will come through for me. That's all right, but you know, there is a whole horizontal aspect to God's care that is actually even more profound than just you going to God and asking for his help. God has a body, and God usually cares for us through one another, which is really important because if the majority of God's care in our lives is going to come through somebody else in the body of Christ, we better hope, number one, that they're open to God and that they're ready to, ready to be used to care for somebody else. And also, what about the opportunities that God has set in motion for us to meet people's needs, to care for people and to watch over people? It's funny because in Luke chapter 9, it's the feeding of the 5,000 and Jesus calls his disciples, oh sorry, chapter 9 verse 12, I was ahead of myself, when the day began to wear out, the 12 came to him and they said, send the multitude away that they may go into the surrounding towns and countries and lodge and get provisions for we are in a deserted place. So the disciples aren't thinking about other people. Disciples aren't thinking about other people's needs. In fact, to the disciples, other people's needs is bothersome. It's like, oh, we've had this great ministry, but now these people, you know, it's getting late. And we need to relax. And, you know, they've had their teaching and, and they're hungry and they're asking us where the nearest travel lodge is and all this sort of stuff. And as if we're meant to look after their needs. And so, Jesus, can you tell all of these multitudes to go away, leave us alone, and care for themselves? But look at verse 13. Jesus challenges his disciples. He says, but he said to them, you give them something to eat. What a challenge. Now, sometimes we can look at the needs of people that we know in church, in cell, in our neighborhood, in our workplace or study place, and 
we hear that they've got needs or, or they need help and we sort of like maybe have a little bit of pity for them, a bit of compassion, but we're not thinking that perhaps God is going to use us to meet their need, to help them, to encourage them, to strengthen them. We're not, we're not even open to the idea. Like the disciples were sort of like, oh well, oh, well, we hope it all works out for you. God bless you and off you go. We've got enough problems in our own lives without um, carrying yours. But Jesus wanted his disciples to mature and to become like him. So he said, you give them something to eat. And you know, sometimes we don't step in and help people, not because we're bad people or we don't care, but sometimes we think, well, what can I do? Can I really make a difference in somebody's life? Sometimes we really don't realize how much God can use us as we are. We think that we have to be some trained professional clergyman or we have to be some sort of social worker or some this, that or whatever it is. It's not what we are now in order to make a difference in someone's life. But all that God is looking for is somebody that is willing to try and help someone, willing to try and help someone, even if it's at a a little thing, but to help. And the disciples said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish. Unless we go and buy food for all these people. So again, they were saying, well, number one, we're not bothered. Send them away. We're not interested. And their second reaction was, we don't have the resources to care. We don't have the resources to meet the needs of those that are around us. And Jesus said, well, what have you got? In in one of the other versions, uh, he, he speaks and says, well, what have you got? Thomas said, we can't do this. We, we don't have the money or the resources to feed these people. And Jesus says, what have you got? All Jesus is asking is, well, what do you have? That's enough. That's enough. Because God is not asking us to care for one another with our own resources alone. What he's asking us is to step to the place of caring, watching over, helping meeting other people's needs, and just to go with what we have, even if it seems little, even if it seems like it won't make much of a difference to the situation that the person finds themselves in. Whatever we have, we give to God and we give to others. And this is the principle because Jesus said, sit them down, and then he took the little that he had, they had, and he blessed it. And Jesus' blessing on what they had, the little to give, met the need and didn't just meet the need. They didn't just barely have enough to meet their need. They weren't just enough to care barely for them, but we know that there was provision to spare. A lot of this God cares through us is really a mindset and a desire, believing that God can use us to make a difference. It's amazing that when you need help or that when you need care, that sometimes it's the little things that that mean the most. I think sometimes in my own life, and I'm sure in yours, sometimes people don't realize how much they've helped me. If I was to go back and say that encouraging word that you said to me, or that time you said you prayed for me, or that time you, you just... Listen to me. Just listen. You didn't do much, but you listened to me. You took time for me. If you would know how much 
that helped me. How much that ministered to me. We don't realize how much we can make a difference in people's lives. And this was the heart of Jesus if we um, go to Matthew chapter 9. If you don't have your Bibles, that's fine, I'll read it. Matthew chapter 9. And verse 36, Jesus has been preaching and teaching and multitudes are being healed and taught and delivered. And in Matthew 9, 36, it's this. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. You see, Jesus looked out at the multitudes and he thought, you know, I've ministered to them, I've preached to them. We've seen miracles and healings, but it's just impossible, Jesus was thinking, for me as an individual to get down amongst every single one of them and spend some time with them. I mean, each one of those multitudes would have loved to sit around a table with Jesus and spoken to him. Each one of those multitudes would love for Jesus to come and give them a personal prophecy or an encouragement, but Jesus in his physical body on earth at that time, it was just not possibly possible in time and space for him to give the individual attention to everyone that needed it. I mean, the Gospels have some incredible accounts of Jesus touching and meeting people at their individual need, but there were hundreds and thousands of more people that never got that chance for his personal interview. And he knew that. And he looked at them all. And he had compassion. Because they were weary. And listen, scattered. And sheep having no shepherd. What a terrible situation for sheep to be in. For a sheep to have no shepherd is a very terrible situation. Why? Because they'll scatter. They won't, they won't know where to go. They can't look after one another. They don't know where to go to meet their needs. Sheep need a shepherd. And Jesus is thinking what's needed out there is a whole bunch of shepherds that are going to care for my sheep. And he turns again to his disciples and he says, you know, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. In other words, Jesus sees the multitudes and he says, these people need personal care and attention like a shepherd to his flock and they don't have it. But then he turns to his disciples and he says, you see the need? The need is for more laborers, more shepherds to go amongst them so that it's not just me, Jesus, touching a few individuals then speaking to the masses. Wouldn't it be so much better if I could multiply myself as the shepherd and send shepherds into the midst of the multitudes who could sit down with the ones and the twos and say, hey, how are you doing? Tell me your life story. Tell me your difficulties. Tell me your problems. How can I pray for you? Is there some advice that I can give to you? How can I care for you? And that Jesus could multiply his caring through others. Well, that was his master plan, actually. That's why most of his three years of ministry was not spent focusing on the multitudes, but focusing on his 12, his cell group. And the closer he got to his death and the more 
important his time was to him because there was little left, the more he spent with his close disciples. Why? Because he was with his close disciples, not because they had sort of preferential treatment because he didn't care for anybody else. But he saw the multitudes every time he sat down with Peter, James, and John. Every time he spoke to his disciples. Every time he ate with his disciples. He was not spending time with them just for their needs alone. They thought he was. They would say, oh, dismiss the crowds, Lord. Spend some time with us. And Jesus is like, yeah, I want to spend some time with you, but you don't realize, do you? I'm spending time with you so that one day you can multiply and spend time with them. And that's why, having said to his disciples, pray that there'll be a multiplication of shepherds to go into these scattered harvest fields. In chapter 10, verse 1, straight after saying, pray to send laborers out in the harvest, he says, and when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he sent them out. And so Jesus' way to meet the personal, individual needs of the multitudes that he was speaking to was to call individuals, 12 men, to him and prepare them to send them out and do the same. God is a God of relationship, and he wants increasingly to release his care into the church's life through us. We are his hands. We are his ministers, all of us. You know, it's interesting. When Jesus... When Jesus was on the earth, and he was speaking to his disciples, and he was saying, look, I'm going to give you one commandment, and that is the commandment that I want you to follow, and this is the commandment to love one another. Second John, verse 5, and now I plead with you, lady, although I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we have had from the beginning that we love one another. 1 John 3, verse 11. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Jesus said to his own disciples in the Gospel of John, he said, this is my commandment to you. He didn't say this is one of my commandments of many. He said this Everything else you've heard from me, everything else you've learned from me, everything else I've taught to you, there is one thing, and this one thing alone, this one commandment I leave with you, that you love one another. Because in this they will know that you are my disciples. What? This one thing, that you love one another. In other words, it was Jesus' plan that the church of Jesus Christ would so mature that we'd be known for many things, good preaching of the gospel, signs and wonders and miracles and healings and all these wonderful things. But more than all that, more than those manifestations that we are seeing today, more than these things that people would say, I'll tell you one thing about those Christians. What's that? They love one another. Do you know we haven't even begun, have we? We haven't even started to make the main thing the main thing. I mean, Jesus said in 
Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, or well, it wasn't Jesus, but it was Paul speaking on authority and revelation. He said, you don't need the law. You don't need the Old Testament. The Old Testament's passed. The Old Testament's been fulfilled in Christ. It's, has, it's done its purpose. It was only temporary until the master came. You don't need the Old Testament. Why? He said, all you need is the law of Christ. And in Galatians 6, verse 2, it says this, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Christ has a law? Yes, he has a law. One law, one command. What? Love one another. Bear one another's burdens. Well, what is that if it's not caring for one another? This is a series, God cares for you. If the church refuses, I'm not saying that we are, but imagine if the church refused to love one another. If the church refused to bear one another's burdens. If the church refused the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. If the church ignored the summary of the law that Paul gives us in Galatians 5, that the whole of the law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. If the church doesn't pay attention to these primary commands, what's going to happen? I'll tell you what's going to happen. There's going to be a lot of God's care that's not going to get through. There's going to be a lot of God's intentional care that's not going to get through. You see, we can't assume that if the body of Christ is not moving forward in its caring pastoral ministry to one another, we can't assume that God's just going to fill in the gaps. Oh, well, my church doesn't care for one another. They don't love one another. They don't carry one another's burdens. They're not bothered about the other person. Oh, well, I'll just step in where they should be ministering. Well, thank God, God does step in. But sometimes God has to step in with an extraordinary miracle because a believer is not in fellowship with other believers. They've cut off one of the main sources of God's caring. You know, sometimes you meet these believers. You know, you say, what church are you part of? Meaning a local church. And they say, oh, the church of Jesus. Okay. So where do you get your ministry from? Oh, I, I, I shop around. I've got God TV. All right, well, well who's, who's got pastoral care over you? Jesus. So where, where do you get your fellowship? Wherever I want. All right, there's a scattered sheep for you. And when that sheep gets into problems, where's the help and the care going to come from? You know, and they'll be like, God, why won't you come through for me? God, I'm lonely. God, I need a friend. God, I need, and God's like, that's what I've given you the local church for. And you're crying out for me to meet your need when I've already given provision for your need, but you don't want to plug yourself into that need. And therefore, if God somehow gets through to them, it's not his primary purpose. And there's other times, and that, that's on one side, but on the other side, God wants to use you. He wants to use you to make a difference in other people's lives. And it doesn't always have to be some massive, humongous thing that you've done for someone where it's like, I'll never forget you as long as I live. 
sometimes that happens, but it can just be kindness. Do you know, kindness is a fruit of the Spirit. But actually, that word kindness is not the best word for translating. The best word for kindness is more generosity of heart. A looking at the needs of others and meeting them where you can. Getting to the place where it's like, God, you meet my needs so that I can spend my time focusing on meeting other people's needs. Sometimes when we are too self-centered, too self-absorbed, what happens is not only do we cut other people off from helping us because, you know, they're tired of hearing us moaning, but also we have cut ourselves off from being used by God to meet other people's needs because we're not even recognizing other people's needs. God will give us the ability to meet one another. Now, now in, in the New Testament, there are over 45 different passages. And I'm reading right now from this excellent book that our senior minister wrote, Why Cells? And this is talking in the section about one another commands. And there are 45 different passages in the New Testament which speak of our responsibility that we have towards one another and how we should meet one another's needs. Let me read some of these. For this is the message that you've heard from beginning, that we should love one another. 1 John 3.11, I mentioned that. Romans 12.10, be kindly, affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor, giving preference to one another. Romans 13, verse 8. Owe no one, any, owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 3, 12. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you. 1 Thessalonians 4.9, listen to this. They were so well taught that Paul could say, but concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. Verse 1 John 3.23, just, just underlining what I've already said. 1 John 3.23. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus, and love one another as he gave us commandment. 1 John 4, 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. 1 John 4, 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. 1 John 4.12, no one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. 1 Peter 4.8, and I could do the whole 45, but I won't. I think you're getting the point. And above all things, have a fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. 45 passages. I could sit and read them to you, 
showing this importance. You see, sometimes I think, we sort of think of, uh, how am I doing with God? How am I doing with God? Am I, am I doing well with God? And we sort of think, well, how can I tell? Uh, do I have a Bible reading plan? Because if you're doing well with God, you read your Bible on a daily basis. How's, how's my prayer life? I'm prayer. How, how's my study life? How's my church life? And if you're in a cell, how's my cell life? And, and you think about all these sort of like vertical devotional things that are all very important. How am I doing? Am I in the Word? Am I in prayer? Am I speaking in tongues? All these important things. But you know what? When God measures your spirituality, He does not firstly say, are you in my Word? He does not firstly say, how's your private devotionals doing on a daily basis? He does not say, how loud are you singing the worship songs? He doesn't say those things firstly. They are secondary. Important, but secondary. The first thing God does is, how are you treating other people? You say, well, what's that got to do with it? Because the test of true spirituality is how you treat other people. In the epistle of John, it says, don't say that you love God and hate your brother. If you love God, if you love God, we will see it by the way that you treat other people. Because we've, we've been there, we've been around the block. Some of us got baptized in 1991, right? So we've been around the block a few times in Kensington Temple. And all that glitters is not gold, and all that waves hands in worship is not spirituality. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's my seat. I'm saving it for a friend. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Seen it? Done it? No. What matters is how you treat others around you. We've got to get our eyes off ourselves and onto our neighbors. And, and you'll be surprised because this is a supernatural thing. This isn't just me you know, giving you some moral law from the front. Be nice. Anyone can say be nice. Christian human, well, I mean, sorry, humanism. The greatest Christian heresy of the last hundred years. Humanism is full of nice people, except when it comes to God, and they become very nasty very quickly. I'm not saying be nice to one another. It's not, I mean, that's a start, but I'm saying God is going to empower you with his love and his ability to change someone's life for the better. Don't denigrate what I'm talking about today as well. That's simple stuff. Love one another. Yeah, whatever. This is what is going to be the mark of the great awakening that God wants to send to us. Miracles are easy, by the way. Miracles are easy. God does them when he wants. It's not a big problem. It's a miracle. Every breath we take is a miracle upheld by God's word and God's power. God can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants, through whomever he wants, because he's God. Uh, Thank God for the miracles, but we're not following miracles. We're following love. And that's where our focus needs to be. Little Little things and big things. This is an attitude of divine concern. There's something prophetic about loving one another. Because when you give to somebody, 
of your time, of your love, of your care, of your attention. The Holy Spirit will flow through it. So I've already said, you can say a word, a few words to someone in encouragement or care that in itself to you may be very little and very cheap and easy to do. God can take those words and breathe on it. Why? Because this city is starved of love. This is a love-starved generation. You say, well, there's lots of love in families. Not God kind of love. Because we're not talking about eros, which is sexual love. We're not talking about philio, the Greek word, which is friendship, affinity, family type ties love. But we're talking about a totally different kind of love all together. We're talking about agape, which is the God kind of love. And when the God kind of love flows, there's an anointing on it. There's an empowering on it. Have you ever taken time to help somebody and afterwards you thought, wow, I wasn't really going to do that, but I did, and it had a tremendous effect? Have you ever had somebody in mind and you thought, shall I text them, see how they're doing, meet with them? Nah, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, well, text, text, how are you doing? We should meet up sometime. Oh, my God, OMG, I'm so glad that you texted me. I've been going through a really difficult period, and I was going to... You ever been anything like that, you know? Anything like that? That's God at work. These little intuitions, these little premonitions, these little nudges, most of the time, it's the Holy Spirit. And even if it wasn't, it's not bad to be nice, is it? God is prompting. God knows our needs before we've even told Him. And He knows how to meet them, but... He also knows that this person's got a need. If I can just nudge this person to pray, think about, contact that person, I'm going to have a channel through which I can meet the need of that person. I can have somebody who I can use as a voice, somebody who I can use to strengthen them. These things are so important because God wants to strengthen the body and make it strong. God wants the members of the body to minister to one another so that we can see God's power at work. Never let a good thought go about somebody else. Never, never let a good intention go. You're sitting there and you're on Facebook and you think of someone you know on Facebook, why don't you go and inbox them? With something nice. With a blessing. It doesn't have to be much. It might just be the nudge of the Spirit that will bring something to light where you can, you can make a difference. You're at work and there's someone sitting over a table at the canteen and you're thinking, I could sit there or I could sit here. It's no big deal, but they're sitting there and there's a space next to them. And maybe God is nudging you. And you think, well, what's the big deal? It's just, why don't you just go sit down? Strike up a conversation. Who knows? Who knows? There's times in my neighborhood, you know, the neighborhood where I live in. I live in a cul-de-sac and we all sort of leave at the same time. We're all like, oh God, here we go, another day. 
except me. I'm like, oh, glory, another day at KT. Can't wait to get into the office and deal with the emails. Praise the Lord. I just forward them all to Gabriel to sort out. Amen. Amen. And then he can reply back with any problems he's got. Amen. That's what love one another, isn't it? And, and we're all getting there. We're all so busy. And I'm like, yeah, hey, hey, bye, bye. And we do that every morning. And then God says, why don't you just go over and say hello? It takes three seconds, four seconds just to go over to my neighbor who's getting his car and say, hey, David, how are you doing? And so I did. And out of that, opportunities, discussions, you know, it really does start as simple as that. An openness to other people. An openness. Sowing that seed. Speaking that word. Allowing opportunities to be created. Letting that nudge inside you. That nudge. Because, you know, if, if there's some nudge, if somebody's on your heart to do a blessing, there probably is God. If someone's on your heart not to do a blessing to, I'm going to text that, then that's not the Lord. You keep that to yourself. You keep your inboxes to yourself. You've got nothing good to say. Don't inbox me. You know what I'm saying? Because I will just ignore it. Because it'll, it'll, you, know, you can ignore inboxes and it just stays not ticked. I've noticed that. And then if you send someone, you can see if someone's read it. All right, they've read it, but they haven't responded. Oh, so they read it two hours ago, but they haven't responded. <laughs> Why is that? Why is that? Why is that? I've figured it all out. But, you know, you, you do it. Do it. Release. Release the ministry of Jesus. Because here he is speaking to us on this close. And we're like his disciples. And us here, I don't know how many hundred there is of us here. But the surface area of who we know, not just in the church, but outside the church. If we, if we got a building big enough to, uh, to seat everybody that we know by name, we probably need Wembley or something. Everybody that we know by name. Wow, what a surface area. Multitudes. Thousands of people are represented by the people in this room, not just in London, but across Britain. Some of you are from different places in Britain. Across the world. If we could see all the people that are in some kind of, we could text, email, phone, email, speak to relationship with us here, we would be amazed. It's the multitudes. And that's where God's compassion is. And if we just say we're going to go out today with a little bit more openness to the people that God has put in our arena of life, and we're going to say, God, give me those nudges. Give me that kindness. Give me those opportunities. And what might seem like a small, insignificant thing, we believe that out of many of those things, openness and doors to literally meet people's needs and care for them will come to pass. This is the greatest commandment that God has given us. And in the Revival Times, there's a wonderful article by a senior minister, Colin, on page six called, That's What Friends Are For. I really encourage you to read that because that will take some of the small themes that I've brought today and expand them. You know, out of today, many people could get blessed this week in many ways. Amen? God bless you.